You are now listening to the QD Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? We're coming in again, What's up, everybody? You are listening to the QE Podcast, and you're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. And I got Egger on the other line. Egger, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E Podcast. We got a lot coming for y'all today, man. The NBA Finals are just around the corner. Just a couple more days, and we finna find out in this series who are the world champions of this NBA season. Uh, I think we'll have a couple of NFL topics for y'all. Y'all know we got current events, entertainment. So we, we got a pretty good episode wrapped up for y'all today. Yes, but before we get into anything, definitely want to say appreciate the support that we've been getting recently uh, on YouTube and on uh, podcast as well. If you guys do not know, we are posting our sports podcast on the Underdog YouTube, so definitely subscribe to them. I will leave a link in the podcast description, so definitely go ahead and check us out. If you want the visual podcast, and shout out to uh, Underdog and Chris and all them boys over there, shout out to them too. And if, if this is your first time listening to the Q&E podcast, we do have four segments. We have our sports segment, social media wants to know, current events and entertainment, and also past the odds. And we got two wild Wednesday once the football season starts again. But definitely stick with us throughout this whole entire episode. But before we dive into the finals, we got to recap the Eastern Conference finals because that shit was just way too crazy, bro. It went back and forth in the, in, in the game seven. Miami almost pulled off an improbable comeback at the end. Jimmy Butler carried them to this point. We've seen a historic game six to get them to a game seven, and we've seen him pull off some magical plays in game seven. But we they came up short. Jason Tatum, Brown, Smart had huge games in game seven to lift them to the NBA Finals. But, Edgar, what were some of your biggest takeaways from the past couple of games that you've seen in that series? My biggest takeaway was I'm not mad that Jimmy Butler took that shot. I know it was a lot of controversy as soon as the game was over of how could you take that shot? Why not? Why didn't Spolstra call a timeout? You know, it was a, it was a lot of questions in that moment. But I feel like Jimmy Butler earned the right to take that shot. And it wasn't a bad shot. Like, if you go back and look at the replay, he was damn near wide open. Like, the defender came up like – at least a second late after he was already midair having a wide open three. That's so, what's blowing me about niggas for real, yeah. though, bro, because Horford was going to meet him at the rim. Horford was backing up exactly. ready for him to drive it. So the best shot is for him to pull up, honestly. And that would have gave us, what, a one-point lead at A one-point lead. He's so, going for the win. <laughs> so Boston's entire season was relying on Jimmy Butler missing that three. And I, like we were talking about before the pod started, I think this is more about the Celtics than it does the Heat from this series. Because the fact that the Celtics are more athletic than the Heat, the Celtics are better defensively than the Heat. And I think even with both teams, you know, having a couple injuries here and there with key players, I think the Celtics have a better bench. So the fact that they just had damn near all around better team than the Miami Heat, the fact that the Heat had the experience, I feel they had the better the better coaching. Udoka is a great coach. He's doing a phenomenal job in his first season. But the experience that Eric Spolster has, the way um, Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler can lead a team, that just shows you how big that can play a part no matter what 
better team you're going up against. So I think that said a lot more about Boston with the fact that they let the heat stick around all the way until also, literally the last seconds of a game seven. But it also told you about the will of Jimmy Butler, bro. And I think in the in games three through games five, it was a lot of weary, not games three because we won game three, but game four and game five, there was a lot of weary plays in the middle of that where it's like, damn, the heat don't look the same. Jimmy didn't look healthy. Lowry didn't look healthy. The team as a whole just didn't look good. But the heroics of Jimmy in Game 6 and Game 7 really put the Heat back in position to actually potentially win this series. And I think Jimmy put a lot of people on notice right in this series. And I would not tolerate any more Jimmy Butler slander, bro. What he did in this playoffs, what he did in 2020, and honestly his track record of playoffs, other than last season where he just he completely didn't show up last year against the Bucks. Other than that series, he has completely shown up and raised his level in the playoffs. And then he's dropping 40 against the best defensive team in the league. 35 in game seven, playing 48 minutes. We cannot question Jimmy anymore. Everybody questions if he's a superstar. Oh, can he be a best player on the championship team? All of those questions were answered in this series. He can be the best player. But honestly, it's just getting to the point with Jimmy being 32. How long can he be the best player on your team with him getting up in age? But I think for at least a couple more seasons, he can be that. And he answered a lot of questions that he can go even against the best defenses. He can really still dominate the game. Because when he was healthy and when he was playing at the top of his game, he was the best player in this series, bro. And we can keep right. it a beam. Obviously, he had a couple of he had a couple of dubs for sure in games four and games five. But in games one, two, and six and seven, he was clearly the best player. He was clearly the best player, even though Jason Tatum got off, even though Brown got off. Jimmy Butler was that guy. And nobody ever talks about the defense either because Tatum is going to give you a bucket for sure. But when you talk about playing defense as well, being a two-way player, Jimmy Butler was a top two player. I'll still say in this playoffs, bro, he still was a top two player. And nobody can tell me differently, bro. You can't tell me differently. I can't argue that. And and two things about Jimmy, I don't think it's necessarily the age that's whether you're the Heat or any other team that he may play on moving forward when it comes to being a championship contender, I think it's just the load that he carries because the way the NBA is nowadays, yeah, the way the NBA is nowadays, you could be 32 and you could still put the team on your back. But you can't bank on that though, bro, but you can't bank on that though. But it's the physicality. That's what I was going to say. The physicality that Jimmy has when he plays, the way he just Mm -hmm. puts his whole body on the line every game. I think that's where you could throw age in. It's like, okay, you 32. We can put the team on your back, but you can't play this intense every single game. Otherwise, we're probably going to lose you, which is a a huge threat. And another thing about Jimmy is, this is really a question. In 10 to 15 years from now, what will the story of Jimmy Butler be? Do you think he has enough credibility to be a top 100 player by that time? Because we're, we're at the 75th year of the NBA. 25, I'll say 25 years from now when it's 100 years and they'll do 100 best players in the NBA history. Do you think Jimmy Butler can crack that? I think Jimmy's like borderline top 75 right now. If we look at his track record for real, and people going to look at me crazy. People going to look at me crazy because Kyrie was off the list. Dwight Howard was off the list. I understand. (laughs) I ain't saying he in the top 75, but he's right there, bro. Because nobody can tell me 
who's had better playoff performances than him in the playoffs, carrying the teams in the finals, carrying the Eastern Conference finals. Who's had better performance? He has the all-star games. He has the all-NBA teams. He has the defensive all-NBA teams. He's a bucket when you need him to be. Bro, he's on that fringe all-NBA team, bro, because even Dame made all-NBA, even though Dame is a terrific scorer, 27 to 30-point averages, it's like, damn, Dame don't, doesn't even push his team to these lengths when you talk about playoff performances. And we have, and they have, like, the same type of um, all-NBA, not all-NBA, but uh, all-star appearances and all of that. So I'm like, when you talk about similarities between some of the players that did make the list, and players like Kyrie's, the Jimmy Butler's, the Clay Thompson's, like, bro, Jimmy's in that, that almost could have made it list. And this really raised his stock, too. Before this series, before this playoffs, I would have said, like, yeah, he's he's back there, maybe in the hundreds. But he moved up a lot, bro. And I think a lot of people gained respect for Jimmy Butler from what they're seeing. I don't know if I put him in top 75. Friends, bro. He right there. Like, I ain't saying he in there, but he right there, oh, so bro. He's, saying he, he's like honorable mention. If you don't put him he's, in the 75, he's, right he's an honorable mention. But I'll say it's some I, names that, that you and I'll say there's there are some names that you can compare once again with the, the Damian Little. I'm like, because Dan was a lot of was the one person a lot of people were questioning anyway when they were looking at the top 75. They was like, Dan made it over Kyrie. Kyrie got a ship, he made it over Clay. Clay got three of them. But I think Jimmy's starting to get into that conversation now, bro. I don't think it's that wild when you look at Jimmy's track record, bro. I really do not. I really don't. I think Jimmy Butler, in the next 10, 15, 25 years, when they celebrate the 100th year anniversary and everything, I think Jimmy Butler is going to be a player we look back at like he was just a dog. And on top of all the statistical stuff that you said, he he has the locker room love, too. I think the NBA has huge respect for Jimmy I don't Butler. think he I used think... to have that, though. I don't think he used to have that locker room. Remember, no, no, he, was no. a, he, was, he was called a quote-unquote bad teammate for a long but, time. But I I think that was from I – don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't let that hold weight because we can't not, – not we, but I don't think players and coaches can give Jimmy Butler that narrative. But we love Michael Jordan stories, hearing how he was an asshole, hearing how he would literally fight his teammates, punching Steve Kerr in the face. So you mean to tell me we love players who do that, who are already great on that level, but somebody who's mm-hmm. not as great, but is just as intense, can get his team just as far, he doesn't get that same bailout? So I don't know. I don't know if that narrative will stick well. I think overall the league loves Jimmy Butler and because it reminds them of players like that who would get in your ass when necessary, who will let you do the same to them if you need to do the same to them. And I think that's the whole thing with Jimmy Butler. He's showing that, look, guys like this still exist in the league. The Draymond Greens, the even the Pat Bells, you know, guys who will literally let it be known, look, if you're going to play with me, you got to play with heart or get out, get off the court, plain and simple. And I think that attitude, along with the All-NBAs, the finals appearances, the, the games that he had in final series, he can crack the top 100 easily. And I think that's and that's what kills me the most about somebody like a Jimmy. I know we're talking about Jimmy when the Celtics won, but fuck that, nigga. We, we're Heat fans here. We're going to talk. We're going to give Jimmy his goddamn respect, nigga. But um, the thing about Jimmy, I feel like so many people don't respect that 2020 finals like that. And I think a lot of people forget what he was doing in that series, bro. He was doing some unheard of shit going up against LeBron James, the greatest player of all time. 
Do we not remember that 40-point triple-double when he didn't have Bam or Dragic playing in that game three? He had to carry the heat versus that championship Lakers team. And when he had to do it again in that game, what, game five, they ended up winning again? It was no reason the Heat should have won those two games, especially with those injuries. But Jimmy Butler carried them in that bubble finals. But nobody remembers that. I feel like everybody just throws that out the window. But I feel like he really regained that respect. But we've seen him raise his level before. This isn't the first time. Even when you go back to Philly series, when you go back to Chicago Bulls series, he's always raised his level in these type of matchups. But I, I feel like Jimmy Butler is just so overlooked. And I feel like a lot of people had to acknowledge that when he was going on these runs and going on these big playoff performances, they were just like, damn, like maybe he's just not a sexy enough name, but he's getting the buckets. He's getting his team in position to win. What, what is it? Why is he not being talked about when he's putting his team in position? Is it just not sexy enough? Is he not doing enough hezzy tweens for you niggas? Like, what <laughs> is it that is not drawing you toward Jimmy Butler? I don't know. He, he, he went up, he's going to be in the Raptors for the heat, the Raptors, whatever you call that shit. But, uh, he, he's one of the Heat goats for sure, man. He's up there, man. He's on my Mount Rushmore already. Yeah, man, that was one hell of a series, bro. Yeah, one hell of a series. But uh, how do you feel about the Celtics going into the NBA Finals, bro? Obviously, they won the series. Like I said, Jason Tatum had a big performance in that, uh, that Game 7. Jalen Brown had a huge performance. And let's just talk about Tatum real quick. How do we view Tatum right now? Are we viewing him as a top five player? Or are we viewing him as somebody, as the leader of a great team? And I, and I say that because we can't say that he's doing this himself. He's the leader of this team for sure. He's the alpha, but we can't act like Smart didn't drop 20 in game three. We can't act like Jalen Brown wasn't averaging 24 when Tatum was averaging 25 in the conference finals. We can't act like Al Horford didn't drop 30 in that book series. So is he just the leader of a great team? Or is he really in that conversation where you can call him like, no, he's by himself, he's a he's a top five player? The answer is both. But if I had to choose, I'm going to go with top five player in the league. He proved that mm -hmm. the first series of the playoffs. When they played the Nets, he locked up KD, swept KD, got KD out of the playoffs. At that moment, Jason Tatum let everybody know, look, it ain't speculation no more. It's, it's not, you know, kind of peeking into it. No. Jason Tatum let everybody know in that um, Celtics net series, I'm top five. Like, whenever you talk about the best players in the league going into next season, Jason Tatum has to be no lower than five. If you put him at five, I think that's cool. He could low-key sneak in the top three at this point with the playoff performances he's having. So I think top five for sure. But he is also a great leader on this team. And it's because of the fact that he doesn't have to – be the one to go off every night and he's okay with it. We see we see players not go off every night and you know it kind of has a toll on how they play. It has no toll on what Jason Tatum does. Jason Tatum can sit back and only have like a you know a silent 20 points. Marcus Smart could be the one with a 36 37 point night or like you said Al Horford, he could pop 30 up out of nowhere in a certain series, but it's all done with Jason Tatum's leadership. And I think it's just because we're we're still not sure of who that vocal leader is going to be of this new generation. And he's reminding mm. us of KD with that because I I know we all we all were saying you know he let KD know he's up next. 
I think he has some qualities like KD to where he's not too talkative. You know, he's not trying to be that. Hey, Marcus Smart is the the talkative, the vocal leader of that team for sure. And and that's the thing. I I think Uh he's following in KD's footsteps as the silent leader and letting Marcus Smart or players of that nature be the ones to be the vocal ones to rally the truth. And nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that either. Because you could, like I said, you can still be a top five player and not be the vocal leader. It's not in everybody's personality to be that type of guy, to be the, the vocal leader. And that's why you need people like Marcus Smart. And that's why they're so invaluable. And he's one of the biggest reasons why they're here right now. But I think when looking at Jason Tatum, yes, he is a great player. But we can't look away from what everybody else is doing. Because like I said, bro, it's not like Jalen Brown. Because I know my man ended up getting uh, MVP. Tatum got MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals. But it's like Tatum averaged 25 and whatever he had with his stats. And Brown had 24. So I think it's just a, a good pairing that we're seeing right now, and it's just a good balance. Like you said, he doesn't have to go off every game, though. And I think the other stars that we have in that top five is kind of like a, a necessity. Like, you have to go off. You have to be the best player on the floor every game. But with the Celtics, he honestly doesn't have to. I don't know if that's a, a knock against him or if that's just a, a credit to how good that team is. But, Ni- but it's Nikola Jokic is low-key in the same position. This entire season, Jokic nah, he has had, been guy he had to go off. He had to, he had to go off every game if they wanted to no, win. No, but that's what I'm saying. I was saying to your point of when everybody on his team is healthy, he doesn't have to go off every night. Because once mm-hmm. he gets Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back, we're we're not really gonna have Jokic in that MVP conversation anymore. I need people to He'll understand still be that. There. Not, He'll still I, be there. I don't know. Not with the way I the way I, think I Murray, Jamal Murray going off when he come back. I think he's he's not gonna get in the MVP conversation. But I think Jokic isn't gonna be a top three candidate anymore when we talk about Murray. It. Murray is kind of like Jimmy, where he really coasts throughout the regular season, where he just lets Jokic eat. But in the playoffs, Murray goes to another level, and Murray just dominates. And we've seen that. I think that was, that was in the bubble run as well. So I think he's somebody who coasts where he'll let Jokic get off. And everything really flows through Jokic too, so Jokic just still get his stats too, even when Murray gets back. So I think even with that type of situation, you still need Jokic to have big games to go far. You'll still need Tatum to go off, but I don't know. It's just something weird about it. Like, for example, in this series with the, the Heat and the Celtics, I felt like in the first half, Tatum was coming out so aggressive, bro. And it was just like, he'll score 20 in the first half, and then he'll he'll just slow down in the second half. He'll score nothing, whether it's just adjustments by the Heat or whether he just takes himself out of a game where he's standing in the corner and just letting everybody else eat. And it's like he doesn't keep his foot on the gas pedal enough to me. I felt like Tatum should have damn near averaged 30 to 35 points this year, but I felt like he wasn't on go at all times. Like I feel like he should have in a lot of these games, bro. And I feel like that's the team as the whole. I feel like they kind of get lost where he, when he doesn't touch the ball enough, where you see like Marcus smart, take a lot of shots in a row. And it's just like, damn, why is Marcus shot shooting some Marcus smart shooting so much? Or where is, why is Grant Williams shooting so much? And why is uh, Jason Tatum standing in the corner? And I think that's something that the Warriors are going to take advantage of if Tatum doesn't come to play all 48 minutes. Like I said, that was something that was very apparent to me where he was a first-half player. He'll drop 20 early in the first half, and he won't do anything in the second half. I wonder if he'll do the same thing and if the Warriors make some adjustments. Well, where you talk about first and second half adjustments, because that was something that was big to me, bro. He did not show up in second halves a lot the last series. 
and that's the thing with the Warriors is really I think the third quarter is going to be the biggest variable in this final series because the Celtics, not even just Jason Tatum, the Celtics team as a whole, the first half, it looks like they're winning. They're going to win the game easy. Every first mm-hmm. half that they've had down there in this playoffs is like they've been up by 10, 15 at the half. And it's like, damn, are they going to pull away with a four five game series or whatever? Mm-hmm. And then each game, third quarter comes around you know, late fourth quarter comes around and it's like, okay, this team is still hanging in there somehow. And Colin Coward made a great point of that earlier today when I, when I was watching it. And he said, the Warriors are the exact opposite. The Warriors start out cold as hell and they get hotter as the game goes on. The Celtics start off hot as hell and they get cold as the game goes. The Celtics version of the Celtics version of beating the hell out of you could be a nine-point margin. The Warriors version of beating the hell out of you, you could be down by 20. So I think that third quarter is going to be the biggest tell-all. Like, after halftime, after both teams have gotten a chance to scope each other out, is Tatum going to put his foot on the gas again? Or are the Warriors going to do what the Warriors do? So that the mm-hmm. third quarter is going to be the biggest variable in that whole series. Yeah, bro. He can't do that shit against the, the Warriors because the Heat, obviously, when you talk about offensive side of the ball, they went through some droughts, some long droughts when you talk about scoring points. So, like, the, the Celtics can do some bullshit when you talk about lack of awareness, where Smart is just jacking up shots, Brown take a couple of bad ones, and it's just like they don't even look good, but the Heat aren't taking advantage of it. When you play mm. against the Warriors, bro, the Warriors are going to kill you if you are not really attacking at all times or you're not taking advantage of what the chance that you are given bro they're going to take advantage because they're a way better offensive team bro so the the Celtics have to be mindful of that talking about the finals they are a long team they are a, a, a more athletic team I would say when you talk about them against the Warriors but just the the awareness and the the way they can sometimes just zone out of games at times I feel like it's those type of intangibles that could possibly lose them the series. But when you talk about talent, I think they're pretty evenly matched, honestly, when you talk about talent. Yeah, but it's the yeah. intangibles where I'm just like, damn, bro. Like, I just don't think the Celtics are ready yet to get over that, to get to that finals trophy winning stage. I don't think they're there yet. I think it's so still a, Tatum, a building block. With Tatum, do you think he's at a point right now where he has to have the mindset, I don't give a damn if I'm 0 for 5 right now. Give me the ball every play. Like, do you think Tatum needs to get to that point? But this is the thing. He can't take – they still have to be good shots. And I feel like that the the Celtics team can get into a rhythm where they take a lot of bad shots in a row consecutively. Mm -hmm. And Tatum is one of the main contributors to that. He has to be smart when we talk about shot selection. Yes, you can be 0 for 5, bro. Yes, continue to be aggressive, but make it smart shots. Bro, you're 6'10". You're bigger than everybody you're mostly going against. Make it smart. Be efficient. You can hit any shot on the floor. Just be smart about everything that you're doing, and I think they'll be fine. Because we've seen Tatum have huge playoff performances. We've seen him have 46 against the Bucs. I'm not saying that he can't go off at times, but it's just too many times where you look at Tatum where he's he starts off and he goes crazy, and you really won't hear his name in the second half. And like I said, you can't right. do that against the Warriors. You have to always keep your foot on the gas pedal, bro. 
everybody. I'm talking about Brown. I'm talking about Smart. If he has open shots, he has to take them. You have to knock down the open shots, and you have to take advantage of your opportunities, bro, because you're not going to get a lot of them when you talk about going against the Warriors, bro. So that's a, that's a tricky matchup for them, bro. It's a really tricky matchup. And what other takeaways would you have for that series as well when you talk about an NBA Finals preview? Uh, I haven't heard Jordan Poole name in a long time. What's up? Uh, I was about to I was about to say that something about Poole today. He he could be a he not could be he's going to be a huge X factor. Clay Thompson, uh, storyline wise, I think it'll be great if Clay Thompson gives a amazing performance throughout this series. Um, a conversation I was hearing was, does Steph Curry need Finals MVP to help his legacy at all? No. I think, hmm, I say no. And the reason I say no is just because how much he's influenced the game and the way 30, 40, 50 years from now, we're going to have Steph Curry in that top 10 conversation, period. And he would, if he doesn't get, let's say he doesn't get another finals appearance after this year and he never has a finals MVP on his resume, he would be the only person in anybody's top 10 that does not have a finals MVP, no matter how many rings he has, all NBA, regular mm-hmm. MVPs, he would be the only one without a finals MVP. So but don't you think that's aspect. telling though? Isn't that telling? If you don't, if you didn't, I'm not saying this, I'm not saying it hurts his legacy in any way, but damn, you're in the top 10. Yes, you changed the game, but I think that it tells something. I don't know what it tells, but it tells something if you don't have finals MVP. I think he was robbed of one finals MVP. He should have one for sure when they won that first finals when they gave Somebody him that dollar one. Yeah, they should have gave that one to Steph. Steph averaged 26, 5, and 6. But it just looks weird when everybody you probably up there in the top 10 went got a couple of finals MVPs, and then here comes Steph with zero, possibly. It, it just looks weird. Like I said, he was the best player on those teams, not when KD was there. But this is... And it, they was having a lot of conversation about those KD Warriors. But again, he may too. not have been the best player with KD. That's was there, what I was about to say. He but was he was the, the most, most important. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say. So, I, but that doesn't show up when you talk about the accolades. So that's right. what I'm saying. Like it's a kind of tricky thing where you can't really fully go off the accolades when you talk about Steph because they really don't show all of the value that he brings to the court. Like, he made KD's life a whole lot easier because of his gravity. He coming off screens, two people jumping out of him, and KD got an easy layup at the rim or an easy three. Like, that was the type of, you know, mold KD was in, and that's why he was getting all those points against the Cavs in those championship series. So he made life a whole lot easier. So I think you have to look bigger than just the accolades when you talk about somebody like Steph. I don't think he needs it, but I think, it's something that I would want to see him get. But this is something that I will say. The Celtics are a team that plays Steph very well. And even if the Heat won in Game 7, the Heat is a team that plays Steph Curry very well where he doesn't really go off against those two teams. He gets held to really 25 and below versus them because obviously he's getting all of the attention and we're going to make somebody else beat uh beat them and this is why i say this i think jordan Poole will be the x factor i agree with you with that but i also think he will be finals mvp because steph will get all of the attention i think it's going to be a position where steph gets so much attention that it frees up other players and the main person i think will be freed up is jordan Poole. 
And a t- with a team against like the Celtics, you have to be able to break down your man off the dribble. And the person uh, other than Steph that can do that is Jordan Poole. He will score a lot of points in this series, bro. He will average 25 to 27 points this series. I'm not exaggerating. Coming off the bench, he will average that. I promise you because Steph is going to get all of that attention, bro. I promise you that's what Jordan Poole is going to do. And they're going to make somebody else beat him, and it's going to be Poole. Poole is going to have a huge series, bro. I'm telling you. Hey, but again, experience is key, bro. I've seen a couple people um putting the stat up of how the Golden State Warriors roster, all of those players, and I think even coaches were included in that, over 120-something games of finals experience. You know, with the Boston Celtics, their entire roster, even their coach right now, zero finals experience. So experience is going to be key. Uh, but like you said, when it comes to the Warriors, Jordan Poole going to be a huge X factor. I think the third quarter of this series is going to be the tell-all in every single game of this series. I got it going six. I'm picking the Warriors. I'm picking the Warriors in six. Uh, but my prediction that I made, this was 2019, of if that window on the Boston Celtics getting to the finals or winning the finals, if it closed, I was wrong with my five-year prediction because I think at first I said three and I said no, fuck it, it'll, it'll be five years. But if they don't win within the next two to three seasons, they ain't winning in five years. So the Boston Celtics have proved me wrong on that in this third year since me saying that. But um, I think the Boston Celtics, they're going to try and keep this team together now, now that they're in the finals. So all the mm-hmm. talk of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown splitting up or whatever – like, I, I think that's out the window at this point, and we, we can go ahead and stop that conversation. They're and going to be they're the gonna, roadblock. They're going to make it work for years. They're going to make it work. Yeah, they're going to be the roadblock, either them or Giannis. Yeah. Because we really didn't see Giannis fully healthy, the Bucks, because they didn't have Middleton. So I still yeah. would say it would be like the, the Bucks or the – the Celtics, but they're going to be the they're going to be the two teams. If the Heat make a move, we can put them back up there. But if the Heat do that same run it back bullshit, they're not going to be on the same level. It's going to be the Bucks and the and the Celtics. I think for the two teams that moving forward will be there. As far as and, like um, the favorites every year, they're, the, they're the gonna favorites, be the favorites, bro. Yeah, bro. So that's that's what I say with that. I would say it's going to be tough, bro, because I don't know. I don't know what JT I'm gonna get this series, bro. I don't I don't want that JT I seen last series, bro, where it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get off and then I'm gonna cool down. Like if JT is on at all times, bro, I think Warriors, I think it's still Warriors, bro, but it's gonna be Warriors in seven. Like I think this yeah. is gonna be a series where the home team wins every game type shit. Like, I think that this is going to be that type of series. It's not going to be like the Eastern Conference Finals where you winning on my home court and all that bullshit. Like, nah. I think these two teams will protect home court. They will play better. The role players will play better at home. But I think Marcus Smart will be the key factor once again in this series. How well can you contain Steph? Because, yes, his track record is good against Steph. You can contain him in the regular season. But the playoffs, bro... The gravity is just something different. We've seen him get guarded in so many different ways. These playoffs, boxing ones, zones. Bro, that, so that many Steph different shot defenses. hit different. And he, that and he shot just, hit different in the playoffs, and changed, bro. <laughs> and it changes momentum as well. Like, his his game, his shots can really change games, bro. Just one of them. 
the energy in the building just lifts like the shit is just yeah. different with his shot making. So Marcus Smart has to stick to him like glue. Steph Curry is going to make shots, bro, but you just got to contest every one of them, bro. When he get free, it can't be a lot of those type of shots, bro. You got to stick to him. But it's Marcus Smart, though, so I know he's up for the task. But, man, it's going it's gonna to be a tough one, bro. But I still think JP is going to be the main beneficiary of the, the attention that Steph gets, bro. It's going to be Jordan Poole. He got to make it work. And I want to see Jason Tatum more aggressive, like you said, because when he had on that Kobe band in game seven, I swore he was for the drop 60 when I seen that. He really didn't fast. cook like that if we be in. Yeah, he, 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 he was won. really supposed to, yeah, he was supposed he to go off way harder than what he did. Because the fact that he, he didn't even have 40, I'm like, damn, bro, you came out with the Kobe band, you ain't even hit 40? <laughs> like, come on now. And, and you tested him? You tested him and everything? I'm, I'm looking like, yeah. He won, though, bro. So, hold on, hold on. I can't, oh, I can't yeah, he, he my won, man like He won, though. So, he I won. can't take that away from him. He won, though. He won. But, but it's like, y'all let the lead shrink with less than a minute left. You didn't drop 40. Like, come on and now. now. Like, those, those are very non-Kobe-like things. You got the dub. That's all that matters, but. And that's the thing with the, and that's another example of like the lack of awareness when you talk about the Celtics. Like, I think, I think you can even call it like a lack of killer instinct at times where, yeah, y'all got the better team. Y'all are, are very competitive with the greatest teams in the NBA, but the lack of killer instinct where you just don't know how to kick a dog when it's down. Like, damn, the Heat were down by 13 with three and a half minutes left. We should have how the fuck? back. How, how the fuck are we in the game with 18 seconds left? How the fuck? It goes back to my point of Marcus shot throwing up bad shots, turnovers at the wrong moments, just bullshit going on where the Heat magically get back in the game with Missing a chance to win. Free throws. Yeah, the lack of awareness and the lack of situational uh, time management, I think that hurts you when you go against a team like the Celtics. A lot of that shit happened against the Heat, but the Heat just didn't take advantage of that shit enough because of the lack of offensive weapons. But with the Warriors, Warriors, they have a plethora of weapons, bro. They can go to Wiggins to get a bucket. They can go to Clay. They can go to JP. They can go to Steph. They got four players mostly that's going to be on the court that can get a bucket at all times, bro, that y'all got to worry about. This ain't like the Heat where you only got to worry about Jimmy and maybe Bam. Like, y'all got to worry about mostly everybody on the court. So that's where I say, I say Warriors in seven, but this shit could get ugly quick if the Celtics don't come to play early. So that's what I'll say. I'll stick with my Warriors in seven, but it can get ugly if these boys don't come to play, bro. You can't play how you played against the Heat, bro. You can't. You got to raise your game to another level for sure if you want to compete with these Warriors. And it's not like the Warriors are war world beaters. The Warriors are definitely beatable for sure. I don't even want to put it like they're world beaters. But they just have so many playmakers that you have to contain, bro. This isn't like any team that you've faced so far. So it's just something different that they, they just have to prepare for, for sure. But it's going to be a definitely a great series. But how do you feel about that conversation, bro, that Jason Tatum, if he wins this finals, had the toughest road of anybody to ever win the finals? Because he went through, he went through KD. He went Healthy through KD. Giannis. He went <laughs> through, Giannis. he went through Jimmy. And if you go through Steph too, hey, that's, that's one that's hell of a that's all that's hell of a road. Though. That's one he only twenty four. He only twenty four, and he'll be. I think other than maybe 
other than Kobe and maybe one other player in NBA history, in his first trip to the finals, he wins two after going through every giant that we just spoke of, a couple of top five, top ten players in the league, and you get the dub, and you're only 24, and this is your first time? That That's one for the record books, bro. That'll be something crazy. This is what I'll say. I don't think it's the, the toughest road ever. But it, it will definitely be up there. This is once again where the context matters in a lot of situations. If you just look at the teams and you look at the names, if you look at the star players, it's like, damn, KD played, that's a check. Giannis played, that's a check. Jimmy played, that's a check. But when you look at the context, like, the Bucks didn't have Middleton the whole series. Damn, that would have <laughs> shifted some shit around. Damn, you are you already won in seven if Middleton there. Like, that, that probably shifts the series. Damn, Jimmy wasn't healthy the whole time. Like So, like I said, if you put context in that conversation, you can knock at that. You can definitely knock at that, that argument. But just looking at it at face value, bro, that shit is definitely impressive. I don't want to take anything away from what he's done and this team as a whole is done because I want to give a lot of credit to Ime Udoka as well. It ain't like it's just been these players on the court. These adjustments being made by Udoka is something different, bro. In his first year? In his first year? Man, we ain't seen nobody do this, honestly, since, what, Tyron Lue when he was with Braun? But yeah. you had Braun on your team, so shit hockey different because it's Braun. I'm about to like, say, you, you just got to not fuck up as a coach. You, <laughs> you know what, what I'm saying? Like, obviously, Tyron Lue is a great coach, and we've seen it with the Clippers. <laughs> but Ime Udoka is doing this no Braun with a talented-ass team for sure, but a team that was really underperforming in the beginning of the year, and he really turned them around midseason to be the best defensive team and to really turn them up on the offensive end as well. And to get a lot of productions out of a lot of people that a lot of people didn't expect out of. You know what I'm saying? Like the Time Lord thing, uh, Robert Williams, he's been playing way better. Could have been Defensive Player of the Year. You're getting a lot out of Peyton Pritchard. Derek White stepped up at the end of that, that Heat and Celtic series. So you're getting a lot out of your bench as well. And I have to get a lot of credit to Ime Udoka. He cannot fly under the radar when we talk about all these great players, bro. He has to be at the forefront. In his first year, you're knocking off Spo, the best coach in the league? You know what I'm saying? Bud just won a ship? We ain't going to talk about Steve, but you get what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you get what I'm saying? You're knocking off great coaches in the playoffs, bro. Like, that's credit to you, bro. If, like, if you knock off Steve Kerr, one of the greatest coaches in the game, goddamn, first year? Damn, <laughs> you on a Hall of Fame track. So Hell of a resume, bro. Hell of a resume. Hey, in your first year, bro, that's some crazy shit. So definitely congratulations to him as well, bro. That's some wild shit, bro. And it was really some turnaround shit, too, through the season. Because remember, the Celtics didn't start off that's that what I said. Yeah. for this season. So you turn, the, you turn the team around, you go through all these giants, and you possibly going to get a chip. That That's a hell of a resume for that's your first year. That's tough. Because I think they said, I, I read something recently that said that Tatum is the first person at the age of 24 to get to a finals since Dwayne Wade in 2006. Usually a lot of young players do not lead their team to championships. Usually you see an older Steph Curry. You see a, a prime Braun. Usually see those type of players. So for him and for Brown and for all these young cats to be getting to this point and they not that old, really, they still going to be here for 10 plus years. It's like, that's a lot of credit to them as well, bro. Like I said, that's some rare shit since D Wade in 06. So it hasn't been done in fucking 16 years. And here comes Jason Tatum. Like that's some legendary shit, bro. So definitely good. Shout out yep. to him.
And um, before we move on to social media wants to know, I want to say shout out to all the black head coaches. There was a picture that I seen not too long ago, bro, that said that we have 15 to 16 black head coaches in the league. Oh, here it is right here. We have 15 to 16 black head coaches in the NBA now, bro. We have because Darvin Ham just got signed with the Los Angeles Lakers to be their head coach. Uh, obviously, we have Chauncey Billups with the Portland Trailblazers, Doc Rivers, Dwayne Casey, M.A. Udoka, Jamal Mosley with the Magic, Jay Kidd, Bickerstaff, Mike Brown with the Kings, Monty Williams, Nate McMillan, Steven Silas with the Rockets, Tyron Lou, Wes Unsell with the Wizards, and uh, Willie Green, who had a fantastic job with the New, or- New Orleans Pelicans this year. So a lot of black head coaches and the NBA. I definitely want to applaud the NBA for that, bro, because that's yes, really sir. turned yes, around. Sir. Because just a couple of years ago, bro, it was only like four to five black head coaches. I was about in to the say NBA. it was only like three so to four turned, last. I remember <laughs> it turned around quickly, bro. And now half of the NBA is are is led by black coaches. You know what I'm saying? If you add minority, you still got people like Spo. So even minority coaches are are, are getting the more love as well now. So Definitely want to say shout out to the NBA, NFL. It's your turn. We we y'all got to turn up now because it's only three. I think it's three or four black head coaches in the NFL. NFL got to turn that shit around, bro. And I, get I think the biggest, I think the biggest thing with that is the players association with the NBA is a lot more influential than the players association with the NFL. The NFL. I don't know what's going to have to be the catalyst to get them to change, but the NBA over the last 30, 35 years at this point has been very player centric and it's been getting more and more about what the players want. Hell, damn near even what the fans want because the NBA has understood that if we want to sell tickets the way we want to sell tickets, if we want the engagement, if we want the popularity we want, It has to start with the players, and then we have to get the fans what they want, too. The NFL is still really giving that good old boy kind of close-knit network. And, you know, coaches still out here saying, you know, y'all are just the workers. We're the whatever. I ain't going to say it the way they really be saying it. Slave masters, (laughs) (laughs) For real. That that has to change, and until we see a shift in the way the player organization, the the players association, really puts their foot on the owners' necks to like really force a change like that for real, I don't think the NFL will ever get to that point. And that's sad to say. I do hope so. I hope within the next five to ten years we can look and be like, damn, it's it's ten to twelve African American or at least minority altogether coaches in the league. Because 15 out of 30 NBA teams are black coaches. Like, come on, NFL. Y'all ain't got no choice. Y'all got 32 teams. You can't sit here and tell me we can't have at least 10 to 12, a third of the NFL teams as coaches. So um, as African-American coaches. So I think the Players Association for the NFL has to do a way more assertive job of letting their voices be heard. And y'all got to take that Rooney rule out as well, man. I'm, I'm just yeah. tired of that bullshit being a part. I even seen recently they just um they just passed some law in the NFL. It was basically a similar type of thing to the Rooney rule that said they'll give you – it was some type of incentive if you were to upgrade your quarterback coach or your offensive coordinator 
if he was black to be a head coach, it was some sort of incentive. But it's like, why do you have to incentivize hiring us, bro? Why can't it just be like everybody else? But you just actually fuck with the ideas that we bring to the table and that we can lead other black men to success in this league. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing that the NFL just got to turn around, bro. That, and it's been bullshit for a long time. And shout out again, shout out to Bruce Arians, man. And and this was a I don't know if we talked about this a few weeks ago, but uh Antonio Brown has said on some type of podcast how he feels like he he feels like racism doesn't exist, blah blah blah, whatever. But and I, I think he got this mindset now from being around Kanye or whatever. But earlier in the year, when he ran off the field during that um that last game of the regular season or whatnot. He started leaking text messages and information about how Bruce Arians and some of the other people in the Bucks organization were racist. It's like, how are we going to say this when Bruce Arians literally just set Todd Bowles up to be the next head coach? When Bruce Arians was one of the first NFL head coaches to bring in women staff, to bring in women, women coaches. The Buccaneers were one of the first two teams to do that. I think it was us in Washington to like bring in female coaches, minority female <laughs> coaches. So it's like trying to paint That's this narrative thing. that Bruce Arians is racist when it's like he's he we we can't we ain't got no proof for it really. He's setting black people up to get head positions or to at least just get staff positions. So mm-hmm. there are coaches out there I think that are willing to do that. There aren't enough. I don't think there's there's enough at all because everybody ain't Bruce Arians. Everybody ain't willing to take an office job and then let the black coach get the next head coach position. But I think there are some out there that need to quit being scared and need to let their voice be heard the same way Bruce Arians let his voice be heard. So I I think, like I said, players association, they got to do better. And the coaches who have the power to do it, they need to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to social media wants to know. Once again, rank these movies. Because I got to start testing this nigga with this. I got to start. And last week, trip me. I got to start testing this nigga, boy. I got to start testing them, boy. But I honestly seeing this one on Twitter as well. So rank these movies. Cars, the Disney production. All of these are Disney production, honestly. Cars, uh, Incredibles. Cars is Pixar mainly, I think. I think all of these are Pixar. They're, they're all Disney, but they're all Cars, Pixar too. Pixar produced Cars and Toy Story. They pro- actually, yeah, they produce all this shit. Yeah, they produce all this shit. Yeah. Okay. They yeah. all Disney. So Cars, movies, yeah, they all Disney movies, for sure. So Cars, Incredibles, Monsters Inc., and Toy Story. Rank these movies. Uh. I got to let Toy that boy Story. do it on the spot, too, boy. I ain't going to let that boy think. Yeah. Toy Story you 1. Really okay. Um, Toy Story 1, Incredibles 2, Monsters, Inc. 3, Cars 4. You said Monsters, Inc. 4? Monsters, Inc. 3, Cars 4. Okay. See, that, that list was way better than last week. So I, I agree with, with most of that. I agree with most of that list. I would just I would just flip The Incredibles and Toy Story. That's it. The Incredibles, Damn, you, are, for real? you know how I feel about The Incredibles, don't you? Let, let's not do that. Damn, you know bro. Over Toy Story? Over Toy Story? I told bro, you, Toy bro. Toy Story was... Bro, that they was some broke, iconic shit, for sure. They broke boundaries with Toy Story, bro. Nobody <laughs> ever thought of no shit like Toy Story before that I shit agree. came out, bro. 
I like, agree. That, that broke boundaries <laughs> for real. I I understand all of that, bro. I understand all of that, bro. But what I'm replaying and watching more, bro, if I'm being real, the incredible. Oh, I'm replaying yeah. Toy Story more than nah. all of you replaying Toy the, Story now? The second one? Hell yeah. But even Toy back Story then, was I wasn't even watching. Yeah. I, no, when Incredibles came out, I was watching Incredibles more than Toy Story for sure. So you're saying now you are watching well, Toy Story more probably. than Incredibles? Uh, but I watch Toy Story now more than Incredibles. I would say yes. I would say you would yes. Say yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll give you that, bro. I, love, I'm not, I'm not, I, I can't. I, run, I can't disagree with you because the Toy Story is a classic, bro. I can't really. disagree. I love all these movies. Yeah, I love exactly. all of them. But Toy Story. I agree is that Cars is last that... for sure. Car, car, and this Cars is, the is thing, last bro. for sure. Cars is last. Cars, sure. Cars was a fire movie. But it's it's levels to this shit, bro. It's levels to this shit. Yeah, exactly. Because Cars really opened up a whole new lane again. Like, I feel like the same way Toy Story did. Like they opened up a new lane. Nah, it wasn't like that, bro. It wasn't like that, bro. It It wasn't it wasn't to that level. But if we didn't get cars, they wouldn't have did planes. Wally. Like they wouldn't have did like Wally and all that other shit. Like I feel like cars was like the next version of what Toy Story did. Not to the same caliber, but they kind of did the same thing with opening the door to other shit. So that's mm. why I think people don't respect cars as much as they should. The first one and the third one were fire. The second one was, yeah, I don't even remember what the hell happened. In Damn, the they had three of them? Yeah, the, the third one was it. emotional as hell. The third one was emotional as hell. I ain't what was the third one about? Uh, I remember the second one a little bit. The, the, the third one was about the new generation of cars coming, and mm. um, like like the McQueen, he was he was becoming the old nigga, like him and all his um friends who were winning all over the years and everything. These new electronic um modern cars that were coming and starting being mm. all these niggas. Like when Queen realized he could he couldn't win no more, he couldn't race no more. Uh, so the girl that was training him, she was one of the new smart cars, and he ended up becoming Doc. Like he ended up becoming Doc, the coach, uh, in a the sense, coach, ended up yeah. coaching her. Uh, so he still ended up winning races, even though he wasn't racing for real. Oh, that's right. dope as hell. Oh, that's dope as hell. I fuck with that. I fuck with that. But um, yeah, I would definitely have incredible. Like I said, bro, I think we've had this conversation before about Incredibles, bro. That's just one great ass film that I don't think I'll put a I don't put a lot of movies over that. I think we had a conversation before about Lion King and Incredibles, and I still went when Incredibles like that's how much I fuck with this shit. And Lion King and Toy Story are classics. I'm not taking yeah. nothing away from them, but the Incredibles is just something that I've never seen before when it came out. That was a moment for me watching Incredibles as a kid, bro. Like I said, Toy Story was some classic shit. But Incredibles was just a different mood, bro. When you talk about superhero movies at that Especially time, Especially with bro. Dash, bro. Niggas love Yeah, like, Dash. that was a different, that was a different was feel, fire. bro. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of superheroes, really, when you talk about, like, actually not, seeing not them. Families. We had Spider-Man. We have not family. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, that was something different at that time, bro. Like, we had that bullshit Fantastic Four that was coming out then. Yeah, but it was whatever. like... The Incredibles, when it, <laughs> like, and then when the Incredibles came out, it was like, oh, this is what the Fantastic Four is supposed to be. This makes sense now. <laughs> this makes sense. So the Incredibles was just a, a great ass movie. And, and don't want to take, know my take on it. Yeah, you know my take on Incredibles. I think not to not the first one at all, but I think Incredibles two did what a lot of movies can't do, 
and I think that's be better than the first one. I think that's one of the few franchises that I can really sit here and say the second one was better than the first, and it was hard as hell to beat the first. I got to go back and watch the second one for real because I, I kind of remember it, but I'm kind of blanking on it. Because that, and I think that's what sticks to me about these 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 movies like like The Incredibles and Toy Story. Like if I can remember that shit when I haven't seen that shit in years, yeah. like it's something different about your movie, bro. That if I can remember right. that, like The Incredibles probably was fire when it came out. And the Incredibles 2 was probably fire when it came out. But I cannot remember that shit. But it's something mm. about The Incredibles where... I immediately remember like what happened, what the plot was. I could even probably recite some lines for you right oh, yeah, now. For like so. those type of movies. I could recite so lines crazy. from all these movies. Yeah. Like you was gonna say about Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. are yeah. classic, bro. That's, That's what I'm saying. It's crazy because we see all these movies when we was just so like that nostalgic shit. High key go out the window. It's just like what was the better movie to you? Honestly, is what you have to go off of. And yeah. I. Like I said, I just I'll go Incredibles, Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., and Cars. Now, Monsters as far as the best storylines, if I had to get the best storylines in order, Ooh. Monsters, Inc. probably got the best storyline out of all four of these movies. Monsters, Inc. and Monsters, Inc. was hard, bro. I can't lie. Monsters, Inc. was hard. Toy Story, Toy Story honestly had the, if I had to call it the worst, probably had the worst storyline out of all four of these movies. Because they ain't really, their plot was very simple. Yeah. Like it was a very simple plot. But the car storyline The car storyline was fire. I ain't even gonna lie to you. I probably would go. Monsters Inc. probably would be one we talking about storyline, bro. That was bro, that storyline. That, that probably. <laughs> I would go. I would go Monsters Inc. One. I would go Incredibles Two. I will go Toy Story three, bro. Now that 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 Toy Story story storyline was fire, bro. I can't take that away from. Him. And once again, Cars will be in last for me, bro. I Damn. honestly wish they have a last. Bro. I, I think the storyline of Cars was better than Toy Story. I think just the actual movie itself of Toy Story was better than Cars. Well, but for sure, for sure. As far as far as the plot, you know the um, what you call it the uh the climax of the story and everything like that. I think Cars had a much better plot. Than Toy Story, but Toy Story, yes, was the better movie. Damn, I think it's something about Cars where we take away characters more so than we can't take away the movie. Like I remember Lightning McQueen more so. I remember uh, Mater more so than I remember like the storyline, what was going on in the movie. It's like the the characters they did great with like the plot development with the or character development with that because I, I love their characters. But when you talk about the storylines and all that, it's like I still would pick these movies over it. But Cars has some iconic ass characters though, and that's why I give them. But everything else, like you, you lagging behind these classic ass <laughs> movies, bro. You lagging behind. <laughs> all right, bro. So he get a pass this week, y'all. That nigga was tripping last week, but move on. <laughs> I gotta make a list for your ass. I gotta make a list for your ass. No, I'm finding these on Twitter for real. I'm finding these on Twitter for real. I'm just like, yeah, write these movies back. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna test this nigga. All right, entertainment and current events. So we got the Johnny Depp wins defamation trial. So if you guys have not been keeping up with this, Johnny Depp has been going through a huge battle uh, versus his ex-wife Amber Heard in a defamation lawsuit because for a number of years she has been claiming that Johnny Depp has been abusing her with domestic violence and all of this. 
but we found out during the trial that she has honestly been the one abusing him this whole time but she really has been defaming him saying that he's been abusing johnny depp hasn't had a role in a movie in years because he has been defamed by amber heard for all of these years so it's really been hard for him to actually get back on the scene he's honestly been quiet for a long time until this trial honestly happened but he won 15 million dollars in damages uh by amber heard and if you do not know who amber heard is she played in Aquaman. She was like the what 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 uh, characters was she in Aquaman? She was the she was like the love I, interest of I never she was the love Aquaman. interest of him. That's crazy. You I never saw Aquaman. Bro, I told you before, I'm gonna tell you again. Aquaman is the most pointless superhero I've ever seen. Like, nah, I've never bro, been interested in this Aquaman. is the thing, bro. You can't be doing all that damn critiquing of DC if you ain't seen one of their great movies that they actually dropped. Go into the desert. What is Aquaman doing? <laughs> That's all. No, I'm talking about no, bro. But we, we, we in the sea. What's going on? Though? We in the sea. What's going on? <laughs> My nigga said, "What's cracking when we in the sea?" So nah. But the Aquaman movie was. Oh, I was fired though. But she was the love interest. I'm forgetting her name right now. But she was the love interest of Aquaman in the movie. She was one of the people that was like one of the heads of Atlantis. She was. She is Amber Heard, and she was married to Johnny Depp. But like I said. She's probably not going to be an Aquaman too because she's been a part of this trial. Now she's been getting the uh, not really defamed because the truth is honestly coming out that she has been yeah. beating on him. She was being caught up in a lot of lies because she was saying one thing, and then she was saying another. Like she had like ten different stories going on at one time. She they even had to stop the trial at one point because she was lying so much. So her lawyer had said, "Can we stop?" <laughs> because she got to get her story straight like that literally happened they took a week break from the trial because she had to get her story straight like this trial was some wild shit my co-worker was watching this like every day like he was really like in tune with this trial like it was really a big deal if you uh keep up with like the acting world for really if you love johnny depp so do you have any reaction to what, what happened with that it was the only funny thing for real that i seen somebody on twitter said is this the white people's version of the OJ trial? <laughs> so that, I did see that. I did see that. I did see that. That was funny as hell. But I'm I'm glad Johnny Depp uh won this defamation trial just because I, I've always been the type of person that when people get lied on, whether it's the man or the woman getting lied on, when they win, that other person needs to face repercussion because it's Johnny mm-hmm. Depp, like a Disney star, like a, a incredible movie star of his generation. I'm about to say, not just Disney, yeah. And you go you go years without getting a role? Like, that, that's just, that's like if Denzel went like five years and didn't get a movie role. Not him not doing movies, he's not getting a role. Like, nobody wants to cast him. So something like that happening to Johnny Depp is just as big of a magnitude. So the money that he missed out on, the, the possible films he could have been a part of as opposed to other people that we've seen in movies that Johnny Depp probably would have been playing so all those things have to go into consideration that he missed out on because of what she lied about so i feel like other than her and she still got money at the end of the day too because i think what he got like 12 i don't know how much i don't know how much money she gonna have because she got to give up 15 m's she got like two or five like i I think whatever split they did he got 15 mils she got like two or five mils so oh she she did she got money too Oh, That's what okay. I'm saying. She still get to walk away with some type of cheese, and I'm like, no, you. But she losing cheese too anything. because 
I don't think she's going to be in Aquaman 2 either. And I think that was a big well, deal with true. her because she was kind of trying to throw this trial under the rug. She wanted this to honestly yeah. be sped by because she wanted to get back to actually doing the production of Aquaman 2. And like the people from Aquaman 2 was like, no, nah, we want to see how this trial is going to turn out before yeah. we have you back in our production for real. So with her actually losing the trial and with all of the secrets coming out that she has been abusing Johnny Depp for all of these years, it's like, oh, you're not going to be an Aquaman too. And she was a main character in Aquaman. So that's going to be a huge check loss for her. And I'm hearing that she's going to honestly go bankrupt trying to pay uh, Johnny Depp all this money. Even though she's getting back five, she's losing 15. So what is that? A, a net of negative 10. So you're still yeah. losing 10 at the end of the day. So so she's going to be bankrupt, bro. And she deserved that shit if you're going to lie on niggas for no reason, honestly. She had no point to. Yeah, like and like I said, nobody should be getting lied on, especially to the point to where you making me lose money, you making me lose business opportunities. Like that, that's just that's messed up, bro. I, I don't like that when it comes to abuse, when it comes to rape, when it just comes to any type of criminal activity that you making me lose money and business opportunities for. Like, no, that's not cool. She needs to face repercussions other than just being broke. Facts, 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 facts. I mean, damn, being broke when you used to be a rich, high key is a prison. I ain't gonna lie to you. Now. <laughs> shit, hey, I ain't gonna lie. You used to be married to Johnny Depp, but you had to worry about no cheese. You a movie star, and now you broke again. That's damn no worse than prison, bro. Because now I'm living <laughs> in the real world with no cheese. That's high key worse. I seen some shit on Twitter, bro. It was like Johnny Depp got to be cast as Barack Obama. Let my nigga get his acting chops back. That shit had me. <laughs> Because you remember that nigga that they had playing Barack? That nigga was, wasn't even Barack. They was like, yeah, just had Johnny Depp play that nigga. Get that nigga ass and back up. Get some money in his pocket. That shit was hilarious, bro. But definitely congratulations to Johnny Depp. Honestly, what what is your favorite Johnny Depp movie? Do you have a favorite Johnny Depp movie? Do I have one? Ooh, good question. I have a hot take. The Pirates of the Caribbean series is mid. Did it not is. really care. Other than the first one, the other ones was not that great, bro. My favorite one was Dead Man's Chest. Other than that, I cannot tell you shit about any of them pirates. Yeah, of the they run together, honestly, bro. They bleed together. I ain't even gonna I, I really I don't know who are fans. I don't know who of y'all are fans of the Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean movies, but I'm I'm here to tell you right now, those were very, very they mid. were they were very mad. I, I barely remember them. The best Johnny Dame uh Johnny Depp movie was definitely Blow. That's my favorite performance that I've ever seen from uh, Johnny Depp. That was the movie where he was uh, selling cocaine. He was really building up a, a empire and shit like that. That was my fi- favorite Johnny Depp movie. Obviously, we have the Edward Scissorhands. Oh, Charlie and the Chocolate Pir- Factory. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We got Pirates of the Caribbean. But if you guys have never seen Blow, I would advise you to watch that. It's kind of similar to Scarface, but I honestly fuck with it more than Scarface, and that's a big deal. Obviously, Scarface mm. is a classic, bro. But I fuck with Blow way harder than that, bro. And I fuck with Blow way harder. So definitely get in tap with that for sure, bro. Oh, I see it right here. It came out in 2001. Yes, bro. Read read the synopsis for the niggas who don't know. Uh, In the turbulence of the 1970s, the international drug trade underwent a fast, violent, and lucrative revolution. And one ordinary American was at its center. But in just a few short years, George Jung, played by Johnny Depp, a high school football star, single-handedly became the world's premier importer of cocaine from Colombia's Medellin cartel, changing the course of an entire generation. 
Blow is a high-velocity look at George Jung's spectacular rise and fall. That shit sounds on fire. I'm telling you, like I said, it's similar to Scarface because it's like the rise and the fall, but I'm telling you, yeah. I fuck with Blow more than Scarface. So definitely get in tune with that. It's blow, on Netflix. Bro. It's, on, it's Netflix. on Netflix too. I think I watched it a long time ago, but yeah, Blow is fire, bro. I would definitely recommend that for sure. Edward yeah, my, like I my said, favorite, his- my favorite is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for sure. That's your favorite? What? I ain't seen too many Johnny Depp movies. Oh, you haven't? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Nah. Okay. That makes sense now. Because I was about to say, oh, Charlie seen... and the Chocolate Factory, he was Johnny Depp a legend, but I don't think that's one of his top ones. Oh, no, no. I ain't going to sit here and say that's one of his best. That's just my favorite because all I've seen, Got like you. I told y'all, is these mid-ass Pirates of the Caribbean movies. <laughs> I've seen Edward Scissorhands like yeah, yeah. one or two times. I could say and watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory back to back. He was also in Dark Shadow. I remember watching. Oh no, another role that people sleep on, bro, is that musical that he was in, where he was um Sweeney Todd. Oh my God, that Sweeney Todd uh, musical is fire, bro. That used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it's on Netflix anymore. That might be my second favorite behind Blow. Sweeney Todd was so fire, bro. Another one that I would it. definitely recommend, bro. Sweeney Todd was Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. It was a musical where he was a barber and shit, cutting niggas' necks. <laughs> it was a wild. It was a wild movie, bro. It was a. I don't wild see it in the list, but damn, that's crazy. Yeah, let me see Sweeney Todd. And they had old girl from um Harry Potter was in that shit too. Uh, Helena Bonham. She was like the love interest of him. So it's about us. Uh, 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 evil Judge Turpin lust for a beautiful wife of London barber Johnny Depp and transport him to Australia for a crime he did not commit. Returning after 15 years and calling himself Sweeney Todd, the now madman vows revenge, applying his razor to unlucky customers and shuttling the bodies down to Mrs. Levette, who uses them in her meat pie shop. Though many fall to his blade, he will not be satisfied until he, till he slits Turpin's throat. Another one. Damn. Fire. You said that's a play? Fire. That's like, it was like a play musical type of thing. But it was like a movie type of thing. You you've seen those type of things, like musical yeah. movie plays. Yeah. Like it's it's another fire one. But uh, True. all right, let's move on. But like I said, I fuck with Johnny Depp heavy though. Fuck with Johnny Depp heavy. But let's move on to the next topic. We got Justin Timberlake sold out. Was he right or wrong? Yeah, like this is man. People got to know their worth. I wasn't in the room, so I ain't gonna sit here and say I know what <laughs> what money was being offered. But it says right here, Justin Timberlake sold his entire song catalog to a Blackstone Bat management company, joining a wave of recent megastars who are selling the rights to their music for big bucks. And it says right here, a total of around 200 songs, according to Hip- Ooh, how do you say that? Hypnosis CEO Merck Miraculous said, and uh, among JT's number one hits now under their control include Sexy Back, can't stop the feeling and mirrors. I I personally feel like, and a hundred million dollars was not the exact amount, but they're saying it's north of a hundred million dollars. I personally feel like Justin Timberlake is worth around three hundred to four hundred m's when it comes to his. Music but how do catalog. you know? But this is my question for the people who say that: How do we know how the money works when people are offering you those type of checks, bro? That's what like, I'm how saying. Do we know? How, how do we know? That's what I'm saying. Like, how do we know if he's worth 300 or 400? What if 100 was really how it works? Like, that's what Man. that's what I kept saying. Because everybody was saying, like, oh, Crimea or whatever was worth 200 or 200 mil. And it's like, 
How do you know what people are telling you behind closed doors? And, and his, Man, that the, shit the, might not be worth that. I much. feel like the impact of the culture matters, bro. If Justin Timberlake was to die today, right now, knock on wood, pray to God he doesn't, that 100 mil is turning damn near to 500. I'm telling you right now, like, it's going to touch damn near five whenever he passes away. And we're going to be like, damn, he sold that shit for 100. When he could have sold it for three to four now, and then it probably only jumps another one you know, another 100 million once he passes. But, bro, Justin Timberlake, even though they're not including, you know, the um the NSYNC songs, it's really just his personal catalog, mm-hmm. the fame and the the way he shifted the culture of music and boy bands and all that with NSYNC, that played a part in who he grew to be as a solo artist. So mm-hmm. all the love from NSYNC, along with, you know, Mirrors, Cry Me a River, you know, Sexy Back... Bro, sexy back was just bro. You can get two hundred M's off sexy back alone. No, I'm telling y'all, don't know, how, bro. Was it in a situation, bro, where Little Wayne ended up selling some of his songs, bro? You remember that when Lil Wayne but sold that, some that, of his songs? That situation like, how, was different because I, he was in a situation where Bird was in jail. Wasn't he in jail, or he trying to get some money? No, he it was it was during the Birdman situation where he okay. was trying to get money back that. He he was old by Birdman, so he started selling certain music to make up for the move for the money that Birdman was never gonna get him, regardless he, of how. But how much was went. he selling it for, for real? But was Wayne was in a different value? situation. Wayne was in but a I'm different saying, situation. Did he get his value though? But I'm saying, did he get nope. his value? I don't think so. I think a lot of these, I think a lot of these artists, bro, really don't think about the long-term potential of what they possibly could make. A hundred M's is a lot of money. Like uh, that's what's so funny about it. Everybody's like a hundred, but the thing is, like, we don't know how much music is worth. We honestly don't. We're just like a lot of uninformed people are trying to get in on a conversation that we just don't know. We don't know how much his hits are worth. We don't know how much suit and tie is worth. We just don't. So 100 M's probably was like a high end or some value to somebody like a Justin Timberlake. And a lot of these people don't care about how much is made after they pass away. Maybe that man, Justin Timberlake, wanted to see all of his money right in his face while he's still alive. And maybe he did get lowballed a little bit, but I don't think he's getting lowballed like a lot of people are saying he is, bro. Like y'all saying he could have made 300 and nobody told, told JT that he was yeah. getting lowballed by 200 mil. Somebody got to tell JT man. that he getting lowballed like that, bro. It's probably people way smarter than us that told JB that or JT that this is a good deal. Make it. Lil, Lil Duval made an excellent point, though. Lil Duval said, who made one hit. He wait, no, he no music now. No, he he made a good point in defense of what you're saying of the people not knowing how much music really costs. Lil Duval said, "This should show you that rappers and musicians in general probably aren't touching the mu- the money that they're always saying that they touch." If Justin Timberlake sold his catalog for 100 m's. Is worth 100 M's. Justin Timberlake is a smart man. That's what I'm, I'm like saying. you said, I'm sure he's <laughs> surrounded by people way smarter than us when it comes to the music industry. So if Justin Timberlake selling for 100 M's, we know you other, you know, rappers, performers, or whatever, y'all probably only touching like 10 to 15 right now, if we're being honest. And he still got his NSYNC shit too. So let's not sleep on NSYNC. So, NSYNC so I, I get it. On, I, off a of first look though, I just really thought he was getting lowballed. I'm like, 100? For Justin Timberlake, like that—that's crazy, bro. Because what if Beyonce wanted to sell her catalog? And they Beyonce said a different stratosphere, bro. Do no, Beyonce but I'm saying a different stratosphere. I'm saying, what if a number came out with Beyonce and we all look like, 
what the fuck? Like, that's it? That's all you're offering for Beyonce's whole catalog? But that's how much, but I feel like we would learn how much music is worth if somebody came out and said, Beyonce only getting like five or 600 M's. It's like, damn, with all Beyonce hits, she only going to get 600 M's? But we will understand, like, that's how much the money is going for. Beyonce has, we know Beyonce got Jay-Z, all of those people, all these agents, all these managers in her ear. If she's only getting 600 mil, it was worth 600 mil, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I trust JT was fully advised on the decision of 100 mil. That's a good deal for you, bro. So I was. that's what I'm like. I think he was, a lot of people want to, this is what I say about JT. A lot of people want to see their money while they're alive. And- mm could care less about the return that they get after their past and what goes to their kids, because that's something that could be given in an inheritance or something like that. So I, 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 I like what JT did over 200 songs. I only get a hundred M's, but how many other bitches was really hits though, bro? Hit hits. Well, we really like, damn, I mean, but, but that's my point. That's my point. At least five songs alone. You, I feel like you could damn near get a hundred M's off of this five songs. You tweaking, bro? I you talking about a hundred M's for a maybe, song, maybe, bro? Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I, maybe I just don't know music like you said, but, but damn, bro. Suit and, and you got to think about the money he already mirrors, got, though. You got to think about the money he already got off these songs too. And I, I don't even know if features are included in those two hundred songs. Are we including features? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Because him and Tiana made a couple bangers together now, so it's like, man, I don't know, bro. JT, JT, my only thing is with this, I'm not saying you ain't know what you was doing. I'm not saying you sold yourself for less than what you worth. I just think, along with a lot of other people, we just think you are worth a lot more than that. That's the only issue we have with this That's good situation. that y'all think that. <laughs> it's great that y'all think that, but JT know what he worth. Them boys walked man. in that room and said, you're worth 100 M's, bro. I bet <laughs> J, 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 hey, JT probably said, hey, I'm worth the, I'm, JT probably said what y'all said. I'm worth about three. It said, JT, nah, you worth about 100, man. That's about what you had. JT had to say, all right, all right, I'm worth 100. You don't take that. <laughs> For real. But shout out to JT, though, man. Shout out to JT. All right, man, moving on to Monique versus DL Hughley. Yeah, so on Saturday night, this past Saturday, Monique hit the stage at the Comedy Explosion show at the Fox Theater in Detroit and said that D.L. Hughley refused to appear at the event if she were the headliner. And she went on a whole two, three minute rant that a lot of people recorded and put on social media by now. And she was just saying, y'all don't understand. I was getting ready to walk the fuck up out of here. But I said, I can't let the people down. I'm 30 plus years in the business and I don't open for nobody. The contract said the headliner. So this is a whole mix up. Oh, repeat, I guess, repeat of, the headline, bro. Repeat the headline. She said, I'm 30 plus years in this business and I don't open for nobody. Oh, the so she's opening for DL. Headliner. She was opening for DL, but oh. the con for her contract apparently says she was the headliner. And then oh. it, it turned into a whole beef. DL Hughley started making posts, posting his contract saying, what what was actually stated of who was the headliner or whatnot. And she feels the same thing that she claimed Tyler Perry, Oprah, and a couple other people have kind of blackballing her. She feels D.L. Hughley is now joining that space. And D.L. Hughley thinks Monique is just finding another person to point the finger at. Yeah. And just to blame. 
So that why that's is, really why the is he to blame and not the promoter or whoever is signing or assigning these deals? Why are you and blaming that's the, Yale? <laughs> that's the question I want to ask. Are we gonna get to a point where we really do start looking at Monique like okay, like you gotta have some type of fault in this too? Because I I had her back at first, especially when she had Fifty Cent telling Tyler Perry, "Hey, y'all need to apologize to her," and Tyler Perry apologized or whatever. I'm like, okay, maybe Monique when she was asking people to cancel Netflix and all that. Monique has had a lot of beefs throughout the past three to four years now with some big names. And she and made companies. a lot of good points, though. I'm not going to take that away from us. She and made and that's what I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take yeah. anything away from her and her argument. But it's like, we you can't keep pointing the finger at everybody else. You have to have some fault in this somewhere. Yep. Yep. So and I think this was a situation. I don't think DL did anything wrong. I feel like you were just in a situation where you wanted to be the headliner and you just weren't the headliner. So you can't get mad at DL. Yeah, that's somebody else's fault. That's not DL's fault. DL ain't make your contract. And honestly, it probably was a situation where Monique was set up to get the the headliner position, but DL was offered the job, and DL was like, "Yeah, I get on." And he was he's the bigger artist. He's the biggest comedian, bigger comedian. So they gave him the headline position and moved her to the opener. So, like I said, it was a probably miscommunication. One person did, oh, uh, like whoever, like I said, who assigned this deal because who was this, uh, Netflix, or was it just like a comedy show? Oh, uh, th- this was just a comedy show, it wasn't no, oh, okay, like so. Yeah, whoever stuff. ran the comedy show, it's their fault, bro. Like I said, they probably offered now, Monique one, some shit and then turned around on DL. Oh, you one thing DL did say was he was hesitant to even join the show because his close circle and a couple other people were telling him something like this would happen. Which is, again, why I say, when are we going to start looking at Monique? Like, okay, now, like, you starting to get a reputation for real. Because DL said, mm-hmm. I went against my better judgment, and I chose to work with you when people were telling me, you know, hey, this ain't going to be a good thing. I don't think this is going to work right. I feel like something going to happen with you and her, and something did mm-hmm. happen. So I, I think Monique is <laughs> digging herself into a hole. She makes a lot mm-hmm. of good points. Like you said, I never want to take away from her argument. But she's in a situation where she's pointing the finger at everybody else and she's not taking accountability for anything on her part. Yeah, bro. I can't even agree with her on this one. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know it, I didn't know that was the situation because I seen on the shade room like they was posting like each other's contracts. I was like, I don't even understand like the full context, but it makes sense now. But yeah, like I don't understand Monique's point in this. But I see that she was um given a job on i think um power book three she's going to be on or power mm. book two she's going to be on one of those shows coming up so at least she's getting more jobs she's doing a lot yeah, of she was getting back by 50 cent yeah 50 cent had her back so yeah so at least all this campaigning is actually turning into more work she's like not just sitting on her ass she's like waiting for shit because it's probably people in worse position than monique we hear monique the most complain about it, it but it's people in way worse position than monique where they're a woman and they're not getting any jobs, and they're probably getting blackballed way worse than Monique is right now. So it's like, yeah, Monique, we hear you, but it's somebody who got it way worse for us. So Haki, you got to be grateful in some situation that you got too. Yeah. That's all I say. All right, man. Moving forward, we got did Pimp My Ride bamboozle us? Yeah, man. I I don't know. I've known Pimp My Ride was fake for like a couple of years. How long now. you knew this shit, bro? I know a lot of us, bro. How long you knew that no, I, shit? I've known Pimp My Ride was fake for at least three years now. 
Anime. All right, bro. Okay. I was about to say, now we can't act no, like no. we we thought that shit was real at first. Let's not. No, act. this is recent. This is like the last yeah, three, four years. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this shit was definitely that. fake. Niggas yeah, yeah, putting yeah. fish tanks in cars. This can't last. Like, <laughs> but this, no, but this is my thing, though, because I've seen horror stories on YouTube of people like describing the situation where they brought their bro- broke down car into exhibit and he ended up pimping out the ride. And they said, like, obviously the function of the car is going to fuck up. But they were saying, like, yeah, they fucked my shit up. Like, dog, that felt like a real story. It didn't feel like some shit that was connected to MTV or Exhibit. It felt like they weren't paid actors. They actually wanted to be a part of the show. They wanted their ride to be pimped. But they got fucked over. So I felt like it was a situation where they had some paid actors. Because we even seen Tiffany Haddish in one of the episodes. So she was obviously a paid actor. But I think it was some episodes where there were real people they oh, got to be a part of this show. So it mm. wasn't like they just bamboozled us and all this shit was fake. Some of these people were definitely real-life volunteers. And I, I feel the same when uh, this is a totally different type of show, but I think in Practical Jokers, a lot of people that they did those jokes around or with were complete strangers and had no idea what was going on. But I think there were certain people that were in on some of their jokes because... It's like the more notable and famous you get, like people are going to recognize you. Like you can't tell me this same group of dudes who do these type of jokes can be in the same area (laughs) all throughout the country and nobody's recognizing like, oh, this is Joe. Oh, this is what you call it or whatever. So I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of these shows um, that we feel are just very genuine, they have some type of falsehood to him a little bit and mm. Pit was definitely something that I as a kid I'm like damn they put a bowling alley in the top that shit fired I'm older now I'm hey. like I don't want that shit hey. in my trunk like, like. hey you about to go to medical school let's put a hospital in your trunk like them niggas was doing some wild shit back in the day bro hey whatever you was trying to do with your life goal they was putting that shit in your trunk for real you want to work at the carnival let's put a damn cotton candy stand in your backseat there was some Man, wild shit going on. Shit on didn't even make sense. <laughs> it didn't shit. even make sense. But that shit was fine. And, and then in the corner, they never showed them driving any further than around the corner. Facts, uh, because that shit was not making it, bro. That shit was not making it, bro. And this is what I heard on the horror stories, bro. I was hearing because it was like multiple people, multiple people giving horror stories about Pimp My Ride. They were saying like. They never fixed the real issues that were exactly. wrong with the car. They just did all of this design shit, but they didn't fix the actual issues. So now I'm riding around with the same beat down ass car with all this weight <laughs> on this shit. I got a hospital in my shit. Got a cotton candy machine. All this extra weight in my shit still can't drive. So like, yeah, yeah, so my transmission been over. fucked up for like two months now. So we heard you love movies. <laughs> we put a movie theater in your back seat with a popcorn machine and everything. Yeah, okay, that's great. But it's like my transition. <laughs> it's crazy, bro. Because bro, you putting so much money with the cotton candy and with the movie shit. Like you can't get my man's transmission fixed. Like that shit crazy to think about, bro. That's crazy to think about. Like I said, some of them boys was fake and they was paid. But some of those people were real life, like what I want to know is what cars actually did survive and what cars actually did do well. None of those survived. I I can't believe any of them survived, bro. I don't know, bro. I I seen a nigga with a fish tank in his back seat, bro. I said, This shit is no way this is gonna survive, bro. With enough (laughs) trial and error, I'm sure at least one of these cars had a good story. 
I'm sure at least one nah. had a good story. <laughs> because I don't think their mission was to have it driving for a long time. That was never their goal. It was just to look cool and like just to cars. just to show the car off. You know what I'm saying? But it was never to like actually be functional when you get off the lot and after you drive yeah. it out of the shop. So I don't think that <laughs> never was the point. Like, it's going to look cool when you drive to that corner. As soon as that bitch hit that corner, my nigga, that shit been a breakdown. That shit was wild, bro. That shit was a wild time. <laughs> Boy, we, yeah, we had some shows, bro. We had some shows. <laughs> yeah, that shit was crazy, bro. MTV Cribs, that was a wild. They need brand shit. Did, did we talk about that? And we need to. They got to reboot that, or they were gonna reboot. I think that? they. I think they rebooted it. I don't know if it if had any like traction with people oh. watching or whatever. But I oh, think yeah, they did. Like try Big to bring Sean was on there or something like that. They tried to bring that back. But it's crazy now, bro. There are so many people who are like really touching money nowadays for real that I think they could really bring MTV careers back. And it's believable now. Back then, I think there were a lot of people naive to concert. Not saying there aren't now, but I think with the information and technology we have now and how people can a little bit more forward thinking with contracts they sign and money that they get outside of music, like Lil Baby. If Lil Baby did MTV Cribs, I'm 100% believing everything Lil Baby showed me is his. Like, Big Sean, I'm believing everything. Shaq. Like, I think people nowadays, that shit could be real. Back then, it was like, y'all getting finessed out of show money, out of contract money. I can't believe that none of this shit, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like, Drake? Right. Drake will have the best MTV Cribs of all time, bro. Period. Like nobody would touch his crib. <laughs> wasn't wasn't he in his mansion on that one Tusi slide video? Wasn't he? That that was his mansion. That yeah. that was his whole mansion. Like, and yeah. then we only saw like a portion of it. We didn't. Yeah. Even see the whole thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Drake shit would crazy. be wild. All right, man. Moving on to the next topic, we have Chick Fil A robots. So I'm gonna oh. pull up this article, bro, because there's some wild shit going on. Not really wild shit, because this is honestly the future. But this is. Chick-fil-A testing out food delivery robots to enhance restaurant operations. So they said, we know how much you love the food service at Chick-fil-A. And now the fan favorite company is taking steps to ensure its stellar reputation remains intact. In a recent announcement, Chick-fil-A confirmed its plans to test out food delivery robots to not only add to its customer service experience, but also to enhance restaurant options, bro. So they said Atlanta, the Atlanta-based fast food chain will start in urban areas like California, Florida, and Texas will be the first places to test out the robot food delivery system. So how do you feel about robots becoming a more norm in the society? <laughs> Something we just got to get used to. Something that we all really? seen coming eventually. Uh, I, I feel like shit, it's, it's the government. We have no choice. <laughs> we ain't got no choice. It's not like we really have a choice, do we? Uh, we ain't got a choice on shit else. But um, I I don't see... I don't see where we could really have an opposing thought to this. Is this because of gas hope. prices, though? I think this got something to do. If, if they talking about food delivery, if this has something to do with food delivery, I'm like, it gotta be with people are not trying to do this Uber Eats. They're not trying to do the the DoorDash. They're not trying to do all of these food delivery things because the gas is going up so crazy that damn, I'm not gonna get my money back when you talk about getting paid from all of these like delivery sites when I like actually become a driver for well, them. So now they have to hire robots to do the del deliveries for them. So when we talk about robots, so we just talking about like. Um, an advanced Tesla, 
like workers at Chick-fil-A put in a bunch of food in a Tesla, like a Tesla SUV. And then the Tesla is the robot that just drives around and has like an automated voice or something. Because that's what I'm picturing. I ain't picturing no actual ass iRobot as shit, you know, car <laughs> delivery food. I would never buy food from delivery services ever again if that was the case. Damn. Hold on, let me I'm calling Will Smith. Because <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what type of robots is going to be there. Oh, I like brands. I don't take flavor. Well, I don't Hope it's just okay. a car. Well, customers can order food through an app or something like that. That's deliver. I find with that. Like, one minute right races. Okay. Well, they say that uh, the customer has to be within a one-mile radius of the store location, and their order will be delivered by one of the robots. So I'm assuming it's going to legit be a robot that comes up to your door. If you're in a one-mile radius, oh, I'm assuming know. that mm. like we're going to keep you in this radius. A robot is going to really pull up to your fucking door with the meal in hand, with the drink, and say, hey, do you need anything else? Probably pulling sauces out their ass and all that. Like, bro, this shit finna be some enhanced-ass shit, bro. I'm telling you. I'm calling Will Smith. I don't give a hell. I'm calling Will Smith. This finna be enhanced, bro. So this isn't gonna be like actual food delivery. Like, this is gonna be like close-knit shit. I prefer my idea of just having the workers put food in a robotic Tesla. Like, Tesla's already advanced as hell, but make it even more advanced for the company. But that's a lot of money you gotta put into a Tesla, though, bro, when you're only a mile away. It's like, damn, just use that robot to wheel his ass over to a mile away. So you trust a robot by itself that can get... Do I trust jumped? a Tesla to get over there either? I trust a, I trust a car more so than they a probably robot. Got, they, probably got a more, they probably got a similar technology at this point. Man, I they got the location and all that. Somebody is going to whoop this robot ass <laughs> and take this robot food. You ain't whooping no car ass. You're getting in the car with that robot. <laughs> he definitely got to be with someone. He can't be by himself, though. I'm fat. I believe that he cannot be by himself. That bro. robot walking down the street with Chick fil A, you're getting your ass whooped. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. Niggas are ignorant, bro. That's, hey, now that's a good point. That's a good point right there, bro. That's a good point. I agree with that. But that's just some crazy ass shit. Another <laughs> development that we're seeing in America today, bro. It's crazy. And moving on to the next thing is Chipotle is now accepting cryptocurrency. Mm. Something else that I seen earlier today. Let me pull up the article. It says that Chipotle stores in the U.S. will now accept cryptocurrency through a digital payment platform called Flexa. They join a long list of restaurants that currently accept cryptocurrency such as Subway, Pizza Hut, and Starbucks. So it says to celebrate an announcement, Chipotle is giving customers a 10% discount on payments made with crypto. So this crypto thing is starting to get back into the mix at this point, bro. We already we had this conversation a long time ago when the market was actually strong and we thought shit was gonna go good with the with the cryptocurrency. Nah, now but, I'm down forty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm down way more than that at this point, but this shit is looking rough for the cryptocurrency market. But we're seeing more people open up to it now. So are, are we just getting um, more accustomed? Is this the future? I think this goes back to the conversation we had. Damn, did we have this conversation like two years ago now? I think we talked about this during the pandemic. Like a year. In yeah, the, a year or two ago. Yeah. We talked about this in the group chat because I think you and Wes said that within the next two years, like um, cash would just, you know, be completely obsolete. And I said, no, I feel like that's going to take at least five years like that's gonna take five to ten years 
for cash to just be completely obsolete because I feel like that's not just a American situation. I feel like that's a situation where the United Nations really would have to come together and decide that paper currency has to be completely terminated. Like, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's something that more than it's going to take more than two years. Like that's something that's going to take five plus years to actually happen. I think we will get to a point where cryptocurrency is the main form of payment and debit cards essentially become cash at that point. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think before 2023, 24, that's going to happen. No. By the end of the decade. Yes. But the fact that we're seeing it coming to fruition now is honestly building in the right direction, especially when we're seeing these big fast food chains already becoming a part of it. But my thing is like, how do you put a value on cryptocurrency, bro? Like, what is cryptocurrency? Like, how do I know that the, the shares that I give you to pay for this meal aren't worth more than that $8 burrito that I'm getting? What if I'm giving you like $20 worth of crypto or $20 worth of American dollars in crypto, but I just paid you $8 for this meal? Like you high key, you tell you high key cheating me at my money high key. So we I, have I no real value on crypto is what I'm saying. I think the issue with that is because there's so many variants of crypto like Hmm. you could be invested in five different cryptocurrencies than me i could be invested in five different cryptocurrencies than the next person and it's like we're just playing the game of mine are more expensive than yours or not expensive but more valuable uh yours are less valuable than mine it's like until we have like a set two two to four or two to six cryptocurrencies that are used universally amongst everybody I think it's just going to be up to the hands of whoever accepts of what they accept and what what is valued at. Because I think there's just so many cryptocurrencies out there right now that we don't know what is really the most valuable. And they said that the cryptocurrency, they will accept the cryptocurrency through a digital payment platform called Flexa. I don't know how Flexa works, so maybe they put a value on the cryptocurrency for you. And they make it work so, uh, or they make it, uh, yeah, make it work to where you can actually understand what you're getting, the value, things like that. I would expect that's what they're doing, but it's still a, a weird thing to be seeing right now. I haven't seen anybody do it personally. I would love to see an actual demonstration. I probably could pull mm-hmm. it up on YouTube, but I'm not going to do it right now, probably after the episode or something. But yeah, I would just love to know how that actually works when you talk about value, because that's just so different than what we're seeing in america today bro and that's why if we're saying like it's weird shit now it's gonna be some norm shit in like three years bro i guess gonna be this gonna be like the normal shit where we we literally check a cryptocurrency at the at the register that's some wild shit Mm -hmm. to just think about bro that's crazy all right man but moving on from that stranger things season four breaks records so we're seeing that they been so the show in total binge 270 hours by fans in three days, bro. Damn. They said that is a record <laughs> for any show that has come out. Like that's some wild shit. Yep, the latest this says the latest crazy. season generates the most viewing for one season in a single week since Squid Game. Since Squid Game, y'all know how big Squid Game was when it came out. So this shit is yep. definitely up there. But Stranger Things has been popular for a long time now, so I can't be I can't be surprised that it's getting these type of 
recognition. I did watch season four, and this was the best season of the show, period. So it's mm. very understandable why it's breaking records because season four. I'm gonna get into one. it. I'm gonna get into it, bro. It looks interesting yeah. as hell, bro. Oh, for, it looks for interesting sure interesting as hell. Because season season one was like some crazy shit. Because we never really seen anything like that before. Yeah. Seasons two and three was kind of like, nah. You know what I'm saying? They get you through, but it it wasn't nothing like seasons one and season four. But season four is something different, bro. That shit's something different. I fuck with it heavy though. I fuck with it. I fuck with it heavy. So uh, definitely congratulations to everybody. Everybody uh, connected to Stranger Things, bro. Because they come out with part two on July first. Because they mm-hmm. did the uh, same thing Ozark did with the mix. I think they said family. the last episode going to be like two and a half hours or something like Ooh. that. <laughs> that shit going yeah. to be fire. Because the mid <laughs> season finale was like an hour and 30. It's like you damn near watched a movie in that last in that last episode. So mm-hmm. I can see that. And I kind of like the long episode format. So I don't remember them having like long episodes like that. But like all of the episodes in season four were definitely like an hour 10 and plus. But it was only like seven episodes. So it was like, yeah. I, I binged all that in a day. And I was like, that shit was fire, bro. So definitely shout out to Stranger Things. But um, moving forward with Past the Ox, what you got for Song of the Week? Uh, I got Keep Distant by Boston Richie. I think Boston Richie going to be one of the biggest upcoming artists from Florida in the next few months. I think before the end of the year, everybody's going to know, at least in Florida for sure, everybody's going to know Boston Richie's name if you don't know him now. Uh, he already linking up with Future. He was supposed to have a song with Future on um on what you call it. I never, I never liked um, you. you I never liked you. He was supposed to have a song with him on there, but he gave his verse in too late. But he been hanging out with Future a lot, doing a lot of work with him. He got the, his biggest song right now is Keep Dissing, but uh, he also got another song called Everybody and another song uh, called Bullseye. So for somebody who only has like three or four songs out for real. The traction that he's getting, bro, like that, that shit's fire, bro. So shout out to Boston Richie. That boy working with the Lord and Savior. You already know he blessed with greatness. <laughs> that boy blessed with greatness already, man. So I already see greatness in his future. And my song of the week is She's Not Around by Larry June and Jay Worthy. And moving on to movie and show reviews. What we got coming up? Uh, Miss Marvel, damn, Miss Marvel. Oh, we are in June. That comes Ms. out Marvel on comes June eighth. Next, yes, next Wednesday. Yes, so we got to do Miss Marvel. I am going to see everything everywhere all at once this weekend, y'all. I forgot it was in the movies. I was trying to watch it on TV, but I'm going to the movies to see that so we can do our reaction on that. Thor: Love and Thunder is coming up in July, so we got another month until that comes out. Uh, but we got Avatar at the end of the year, but we, you know, we're gonna get a lot of Marvel. No, nah, this the this the this the Avatar one. This Avatar one that we're gonna review. Too, oh, you did recently, say we were gonna do that? Yeah, because oh, yeah, yeah. I recently rewatched it, and I'm gonna say my opinion. I'm gonna say my opinion for the review. That means he don't fuck with it. That means he don't fuck with it. No, I ain't say that. No, I ain't say that shit. Now that shit could have been the greatest shit I ever watched, and I slept on it. So I'm gonna just say my opinion for the review. I'm gonna just say my. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, man. But uh, (laughs) y'all gonna hey y'all gonna fuck with it. Y'all gonna fuck with it. All right, bro. Uh, yeah, we can hit him with the social media at that point. 
You can follow us on Twitter at QEPodcast1. You can follow us on Instagram at Q-A-N-D-E Podcast. You can follow and like our Facebook page at Q and sign E Podcast. And you can also subscribe to our YouTube. And don't forget to email us if you have any questions at Q-A-N-D-E Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, and definitely subscribe to all of our podcast platforms We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And definitely subscribe to our QNE Media page. That is QANDEMedia.com. Our Instagram is QANDEMedia, and our Twitter is QEMedia. We appreciate you guys for listening and watching, and we out. Peace.